Welcome again to the SEM Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hewlett. Jack Rice will be along here shortly, and we're excited today. Our guest is Robert Anderson. Robert, tell us where in the world you're calling us from today. So I'm calling from uh, Huntsville, Alabama. It's actually a little suburb outside of it. Um, but yeah, and enjoying a little bit of cooler fall weather finally. <laughs> yeah. Versus all the heat and humidity here in the south. So very cool. Well, in our conversation before you said you've been watching these, you understand the format a little bit. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Talk, we'll talk pre-mission, we'll jump the mission and talk life since, and then we'll go back through Scotland, companions, areas of served in, things like that. But uh the floor is yours. Go ahead and uh, yeah, we're excited to hear from you. Yeah, so uh, definitely always, you know, my, my dad went on a mission, definitely was always in the cards. Um, for me, I've, I've got an August birthday, and so I started school when I was like six. So I, I graduated and I was almost 19. Um, and I think the big, the big discussion in my house was like, is it, my dad was like, you need to go to college for a year before you go. And my mom was like, you need to go just out, out of high school. So I ended up, you know, putting in my papers and it was right before I graduated. Um, the, uh, the, the state clerk in my stake, which by the way, the stake I grew up, I, so I grew up in, in, uh, Northern Nevada. Um, okay. my stake that I grew up in was physically larger than Scotland. <laughs> it's a huge stake. Um, I mean, my dad was a high counselor and I remember he, he, there was one branch that was five and a half hours away, you wow. know, that, that he would go and do. So um, when I turned my papers in, I think the state clerk was going to the church office building. So they're like, Oh, we'll just hand deliver it. And uh, that was not a good idea. Cause it took forever. I think it took like, four weeks, six oh, no. weeks, something like that. So I think wherever they hand delivered it, it got, I don't know what happened. Um, Go through the right processes. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so get it, you know, we do the whole, um, you know, get, get all the family together, open it up. I'm sure I said Edinburgh or something like that. Um, <laughs> was excited. You know, I, I'd kind of wanted foreign, but English speaking. So I was like, great, this is awesome. Yeah, bang um, on right there. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that was that that was still like I think it was like mid to late July, and I didn't report to the Preston MTC until like the twenty seventh of November. Holy cow! That's and, a long and so time. it was a huge wait. I'm like, man, I could have got like a semester in, but not quite. <laughs> um. So, and I think like the big thing that happened to me there is, I mean, I was just kicking around. It was in a grew up in a tiny town of like 3000 people, you know, after high school, there's nothing to do, right? The thing yeah. to do is leave. <laughs> um, and so I, I remember the ward found that there was like this construction job and he's like, Hey, you should, you should join it. And I'm like, cool. The first day I reported for the construction job was September 11th, 2001. Oh, so it was, wow. it was a bit of a crazy day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, the next day, the second day on the job, I'm sitting there working. I put in like 10 hours, never done construction before. I'm exhausted. My, my new boss is like, Hey, I need you to help me with this, uh, this large piece of equipment that we need to, to get ready for transport. And so I'm doing this stuff. I'm on this elevated catwalk and it ends up that I 
get my foot crushed, like the front part of my foot crushed in this equipment. Um, it, and it could have been, a, it could have been so much worse than it was. Uh-huh. Um, but it was like this 150 foot long conveyor belt. Um, it ended up like popping my toenails off. There was so, so much pressure and Whoa. it broke one toe, but I, it's one of those events that you're like, you think back on it and you're like, I could have lost the first, you know, third of my foot. Um, yeah. so that was a big, like, Oh my gosh. Uh, but thankfully it, I didn't have any lasting effects other than a couple of weeks of being tender with my foot. Um, yeah. And, so and I'm thinking too, like the time frame to heal, did you have enough time to yeah, get I mean, right it, out on the mission at that point then? Yeah, I had an, I had enough time. I mean, it was basically just my, my toe was kind of healing up. I think I actually went to a doctor in my first area and the, to just, cause I was, the doctors in the States were like, you need to get this checked out at like six months or something. And the doctor, in my first area was like, you need to go to the, you, I can't do anything for you. Go to the hospital. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been doing like 12 miles a day on this. You guys know like missionary feet. It's, yeah. it's not a, a pretty picture, <laughs> but I, I'm like, I'm doing fine. So I, that was kind of the end of it, but it was just one of those, like, it felt like there was some opposition and thankfully it wasn't it, like, it was just a crazy scenario. I hadn't signed a lick of paperwork either when that had happened. It's <laughs> like, oh, oh my goodness. gosh. Goodness. But it, you know, it worked out. Um, and I was able to, to, to get on the mission. Uh, it was nice. It was right after Thanksgiving. It was like the, the Monday after Thanksgiving I flew out. Um, so, I mean, it was, that was kind of the big adventure before the mission. Um, yeah. Afterwards, um, got back, got to that small town. And I think adjusting after a mission is one of the most difficult things. Um, I just felt like at home in my parents' home, not doing anything for anyone. <laughs> I felt like a slob. Um, but I quickly, uh, you know, the, the town I grew up in is about an hour and a half away from Reno. That's where I, I went to the University of Nevada, Reno. Okay. So thankfully it was about a month later I was at school, um, studying there. Uh, they have, I think they had two or three singles wards at the time, um, in the Reno area. Uh, and I, you know, I have two older sisters. I know, I know the, the, the closing, you know, interview with the mission president, at least the one that I got was, you know, go home and get married before you get into trouble. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That sounds like prisoner brains. Yeah, and I'm like, oh man, my whole life I've been listening to women tell me what to do between my older sisters and my mom, and <laughs> and I, I just wanted to get home and kind of live on my own for a little bit. But um, met my wife going to school there. We 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 got married. So that was January of '04. Um, we ended up uh, getting married in December of '05. Um, basically uh worked while i went to school um i got in i i I used my my missionary skills for evil (laughs) i feel sometimes i got a job as a telemarketer um my my rationale behind it was a uh, you know it was a business to business telemarketer so i wasn't calling people at home at least that was my rationale but right as a missionary you learn these skills on how to talk and interact um 
I wasn't on the phones for too long and I got kind of promoted and uh, did some stuff with uh, ERP systems, um, which are enterprise resource management systems like the Oracles and SAP systems. Uh, got my degree in uh, dual major in economics and finance from, from UNR. Thought about trying to get into the um, to BYU to get an MBA. Yeah, kicked it around a little bit. Ultimately, um, well, I guess I should say I had my, so we got married in 05, graduated uh, in May of 08, which is also the month that my my first child was born, my son, Caden. Um, and then I had a cousin, so I had a, an uncle that worked for the State Department, and he did recruiting for a number of years, and he found out about a fellowship program that the U.S. Army does or used to do. They don't. They don't do it anymore. Um, and I, I applied to that, and I got in. And it was basically a, a five-year program where they they pay for your MBA the first year, um, and then they kind of automatically promote you. Um, and I was. It, it's as a civil servant, so I'm a federal employee with that works for the Army. I'm not a green suitor or an active duty person. Um, so in doing that, I went to Texarkana, Texas for about 18 months, got my MBA from Texas A&M, Texarkana, which is in the Texas A&M system, not as illustrious as Texas A&M though, but, uh, a little different than Texarkana. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, (laughs) depending on who I'm talking to, I can just say the Texarkana part really fast, you know? Texas A&M, Texarkana. Um, <laughs> so after that, um, we actually, so part of that program is they kind of owned me for five years and they treated me a little bit like an active duty person. So they assigned me to uh, to Redstone Arsenal, which is here in North Alabama in the Huntsville area. Um, and I actually got, I was working on some ERP type stuff um, with the Army. Uh, mainly focusing on financial uh, transactions. Um, so I was there for a while. When we got to Huntsville, we had our um, we had two girls, Kelsey and Lucy. So they're twelve and almost ten. Um, and then I had an opportunity actually to uh, to get a job back back west at a uh, an army installation just north of Reno, Nevada. Um, so I went there for about a year and a half and then I had a good friend that, uh, was working as a civilian for the army in Germany who said, you really need to come over here. (laughs) And I couldn't pass up, uh, you know, working for the government in Germany. So we, uh, we spent about two years over in Germany, uh, and was actually able to get back to Scotland on a trip, we kind of, we, we were expecting to stay a little bit longer than two years. So I didn't get a whole bunch of time in Germany or in, in Scotland again, but I was able to, you know, do some Edinburgh trips and, uh, go to Sterling and some of that stuff. So it was, was awesome. Um, it was also really cool just living in central Europe and, you know, going to Paris, going to the Netherlands, going to Austria. It was amazing. Um, after that, I had an opportunity to go back to the installation near Reno, Nevada. Um, and I actually got a promotion to 
act as the CFO for the installation. Was there for about another two years. If you get a sense here that I can't stay in one place. <laughs> and I had an opportunity to come back to Huntsville uh, and get another promotion. And uh, now I work for uh, a part of, uh, it's called Army Materiel Command. They do the logistics for the Army. You may, you may have heard of, I know one of you guys worked for Lockheed Martin or one of the defense contractors. So very similar to the Air Force Material Command, doing all the logistics, but on the Army side. Um, and currently I, I manage, um, I'm on a team that oversees about 100,000 uh, civilian positions that work for my organization and, and, and subordinate organizations all over the world. So, um, so it's a pretty cool job. Right now it's fiscal year end, so it's a little stressful <laughs> trying to put out fires and and figure out stuff. Um, and I guess I should say uh, there we had the reason why we left Germany a little bit early. We got we had a little bonus baby over in Germany. A lot of one of the oh. main things when people go to Germany, they get it happens a lot that they have a baby. So uh, Madison, uh, our fourth, um, she was born and she's three. So. Uh, got a full contingent at the uh, the Anderson household of kids and, uh, you know, just enjoying life. Uh, really enjoy the Huntsville area. It's it's a great area. It's not it's not what I envisioned being from Nevada. When someone says Alabama, it's not anything like <laughs> what you think. Um, but, yeah, it's like definitely and I, I can get into this more, but I definitely see the mission as a pivotal point in my life that gave me skills um, that I've been able to use in my professional life that have enabled me to go very far. Um, so definitely a great time. Love so. well, cool. That's quite a journey. Holy cow. <laughs> I know. I, I, I think we'd move like, six times or five times in five years and two of them were you know out of the united states international and then international back into the states it was i'm sick yeah. of moving <laughs> i don't but, blame you been there done that myself yeah so so now the mission right so yeah take us back to um, even, you know, the mtc back you said november 2001 and go from there yeah, so uh, first thing, being a Nevada kid, right, I was like, holy, cr holy crap, there is so much green around here. There's, there's as much green here as there's brown in Nevada. So that was the, that was the main thing. Um, it, was, it was an interesting time. We, so when we got there, there, it was, you know, two months after September 11th. Um, first thing they kind of said to us is, congratulations, you're the largest concentration of Americans in northern England. So it was, I mean, security, they were worried about security. So, I mean, it was pretty, pretty locked up tight. Um, but I, I enjoyed the MTC. I, I was ready to get out <laughs> and, yeah. and, and kind of go. Um, I think we had a, I, and I can't remember, we had a, a pretty sizable group, maybe 10 or so that were going to Scotland. Um, I actually got to serve with one of the guys that was in my group and I actually got to serve with him at the end of the mission, which was very strange. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess the, the, the main thing is when we went to leave the MTC, 
uh, and we went to the train station and they said, well, there's, there's railroad strikes going on in Scotland. <laughs> so we can't put you on a train all the way up to Scotland. We're going to put you on a train to get to the northern, more northern England. And then you're going to take a bus. <laughs> so, so we got in a little bit later than normal. Um, and I don't think we, I don't think we did any chapping because of that. They were doing some of the other administrative stuff. Um, and obviously, you know, I know a lot of people have said this, but definitely, you know, starting your mission off on Pratt's Hill, you know, amazing experience. Um, so when I, when I got to the, the mission home, uh, you know, President Wilkinson, he assigned me to uh, a missionary. His name is Elder Snow, Neil Snow. Uh, he had a pretty interesting he, I think he was supposed to go to the Czech Republic on his mission. So he, he went to the Provo MTC, spent a lot of time learning the language, and then his visa never came through. So he spent part of his mission, I think, in Orlando, and then he was offered SEM for the other half. So, right, you're in Orlando, and they say you can go to Scotland. You made the right choice, right? Um, <laughs> and, man, that boy knew how to work um he was an amazing probably the most amazing finder of people prepared to hear the gospel that i ever interacted with but it's because he he did the work i mean we i um i lost two stone in about eight weeks with him because we were doing like his goal was like we're doing like 76, 77 hour weeks, no lunch, no dinner. You know, we're doing, you know, on P day, we're doing the bare minimum and then we're proselyting. And it was just, it was, we're going to go find people. So we are, the, the area we were assigned was, uh, was Govan in Glasgow. Um, Ibrox stadium was a part of the area. Um, and it was a rough area rough 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 area um just to tell you a story of like we i was literally offered every drug known to man as a missionary in this area um so just to tell you a story when i was dating my wife in uh it was 2007 i was uh, jack johnson he had a concert in reno and i'm like let's i took my my girlfriend at the time uh, who later became my wife to the concert and we're sitting there and it's an outdoor amphitheater and we're listening to the music and I, I'm just thinking of Scotland like I cannot my brain is being bombarded with Scotland and I'm trying to figure out why because I didn't listen to I mean Jack Johnson was just I think he had become a thing right when I got, got home and I'm like why is then I realized not too far away from me, people were smoking weed. And I had had so much secondhand exposure to, I probably would have failed the drug test <laughs> because we were just surrounded by it. And, you know, you go into someone's home and you can ask them to put it out or even in their doorstep, but it's their home. So that's how much <laughs> it was. I mean, heroin, everything. Like we were offered everything. Um, but this Elder Snow, my companion, we 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 worked. Uh, 
and we worked and man, we had so much success. Um, I think our goal was like three discussions a day, every day of the week. And we met it when we got to the point where we were consistently meeting it. And, um, it was just, I mean, we, I think there were eight or nine tall flats in that area. And right. So it's January, February, it's disgusting outside. You're a missionary. Oh yeah. You're going to go to those high flats and you're going to be happy that you're inside. Uh, but I mean, our teaching pool was just insane and we saw so much, so much success, um, in finding people. Um, but then, you know, Elder Snow, he was, it was his last three months on his mission. And so I kind of knew I hadn't for three months. And uh, so I'm sitting there, I'm a greenie. I've only experienced this hardcore, you know, this is, this is how we do it. And um, my second companion uh, was Elder Mark Baines. He's from, from England. And he had a different philosophy. <laughs> um and there was a little bit of there. I wouldn't say there was quite a bit of headbutting that happened on that because, you know, even as a greenie, if, if, you know, you kind of quasi act as a senior companion, the first little bit, cause you know who the people are, you know, what's going on. Um, but I will tell you, um, I mean, I struggled a lot with that, but I will tell you, he was absolutely the, uh, the, the best missionary for that area. And for me at that time, because although he did not like do the hardcore finding of people, man, he could make relationships and he, without him, um, we wouldn't have seen. So we saw a lot of baptisms because of that combination of finding and then shifting to the, like, I'm going to, I'm going to really connect with these people. Um, and, and, and I'll say maybe not focus so much on the numbers, right. Focus mm -hmm. on the person and, and teaching the gospel. Um, and I mean, they're, they're just, we, we saw, we saw a couple that got baptized and it was the husband that was, was, uh, it was a Thomas Brown was his name he was interested in the gospel and his wife never, never gave us the time of day. Um, but we kept challenging him and he, he was reading the book of Mormon. Well, we later find out that he couldn't read the book of Mormon because he was in poor health and his wife would read it to him. <laughs> well, that's oh. just a perfect scenario because we said, Hey, you got to come to his baptism. Uh, and we were doing baptisms after, you know, church services on Sunday at that time. And uh, so we said, well, your husband's getting baptized. So you got to come to church before you go to baptism. She, she, uh, she walked out of Relief Society, which was the first meeting at that time. And the first thing she says to me is, I want to get baptized. I'm like, all right, wow. I can help you with that. Um, and I mean, we had some amazing, there's a, there was a family there uh, that, that did some amazing member missionary work. It was the, the Barclay family. Um, their son's girlfriend was interested in the gospel and they came to us and we basically taught her 
the the six discussions um at the end of the six discussions we said um i'm not gonna allow you to get baptized unless you ask us at least one question because she would just ask the fa- the member the family i don't think i knew her last name until they did the baptismal interview it was just they were the perfect member missionary family um where we literally were just there teaching the gospel and they were filling in the questions and all that stuff so um but it was it was i mean in, in looking back i've been reading a few of my journals and i have so many entries in there of oh so and so investigator got mugged the other day <laughs> or so and so investigator had someone break into their flat the other day like it was it was a rough area but I can tell you, like, I, I never felt like I was in danger. Um, <laughs> and it like, so one day we were walking behind Ibrox stadium, which is where the Rangers play. Um, and I think in, in Glasgow, there's, you guys know the underground in Glasgow, it's just a big donut. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like maybe 10 stations, well, like five of the stations, four or five of the stations were in my area, which was super convenient. Um, so we get out of the underground one day and uh, it's not unusual to see a large police presence near Ibrox, especially during the games, right? When Rangers and Celtics play, you just, you pray for a draw, right? Because there's less burned out cars, there's less stabbings, there's less bricks, you know, it's just, you pray for that, but it wasn't a game day and we, we walk out and there is a heavy police presence uh, in this lot behind Ibrox. And so we, we had an investigator up the street, we go up to him and say, Hey, uh, Flo, what, what's going on? Like, why are there so many police here? Oh, well, they found a human leg in that lot. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Um, but I will, I definitely know I was protected so much in that area. And that combination of, of my, my, you know, my trainer and then my second companion, I think giving me a more, a well-balanced missionary you know missionary skills it's not all about the numbers um but and and, you know connecting with the people really teaching the gospel i think it really set me off really well on my mission um so i was there for i was there for six months three months with each of them and then um president wilkinson called me up he said uh so i'm gonna have you train so i was going junior to senior trainer and then uh, we're going to open up an area so i was whitewashing as well <laughs> so i was a little bit nervous in my own head I'm a, I'm a little bit cerebral as it is right so i'm in my head so um i get to the mission home we're doing the you know we're doing the trainer stuff meet the greenies uh and i get i get paired up with uh, trevor watson uh, was the first guy I trained. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, we can do this. Right. Um, president Wilkinson, he pulls me aside. He's like, elder Anderson, I need to tell you something because I don't know if elder Watson will tell you if I don't, (laughs) um, his dad is the secretary to the first presidency. 
So the guy then in my up head, in general conference to read the statistical report, yeah, right? F. Michael Watson. <laughs> yeah. In my head, I'm thinking I am going to mess up so hard, and President Hinckley is going to know about it. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that was how it started. Um. I love Trevor Watson. He is an amazing, amazing guy. Um, so the area that we actually were whitewashing is uh, it was in Fife. So it was, uh, I think it was called Cooper because that's where we got the flat, but it covered St. Andrews and St. Andrews University. Um, so we go in there. Obviously, there's no flat in the area. Uh, we go into the zone leaders in Dundee flat, which was difficult because they just had the tiny college fridge and I don't know how that's supposed to work for four elders. <laughs> um, I got sick for a while too. I was sick for like two or three weeks right after that. So man, Elder Watson, he put up with, with a little bit first getting on his mission. Cause I know when I got on my mission, I was homesick and the best thing for me was just getting out and working. Um, and it was just logistically, it was, it was difficult because it would be, you know, a 20 minute walk down the steepest hill ever in Dundee to get to the train station, a 45 minute train ride to get to Lucas, which is the train station closest to St. Andrews. And then another 30 minute ride if you were going into actual St. Andrews itself. So, I mean, it's, it's like by the time it's at least two hours to get there. Um, so we kind of, we kind of pivoted a little bit. Um, Cooper is a small town in Fife that actually is, uh, you can get to there with just one bus. I think you can get there with a the train too. Yeah, you can. Um, and I, we were in the, um, what's that building in Dundee? Come on. Look, we were in the stake center. It was in Terrace. Yeah, Bingham. Yeah, so that's where we were, and there was an ama- there's an amazing family um, in Cooper, the Campbells, um, and they're just they were amazing. So he owned some apartments, um, and we ended up getting into a tiny, tiny one bedroom apartment above a uh, a Chinese food shop. <laughs> which was kind of torture sometimes um this tiny like our our part our beds were like less than a foot apart in this tiny one bedroom apartment on the third floor that would shake when our washer and dryer was spinning right so um but that was an amazing area completely different from govan um in scotland and we got, you know, we got to work there. Um, I think the coolest thing that happened, well, there's a few, few cool things that happened. So we were there on St. Andrew's day. And so you've got that Royal and ancient clubhouse in St. Andrew's that's open one day a year to the general public and it's on St. Andrew's day. So we obviously went through and enjoyed all the, you know, solid gold golf clubs and the history of golf. I'm not a golfer, but. It was cool, right? Um, Got plenty of pictures on the old course. Um, But during that time, there was a pretty famous person that went to St. Andrews, Prince William. So he was there, and 
I can't tell you how many times I never saw him, but we'd always go places and people would be like, dude, I just saw Prince William like 10 minutes ago. You missed him just barely. <laughs> so, um, after you were there, the missionaries ended up teaching his roommates. That's cool. So yeah. I actually had an experience. Um, and this was, so that was with, with, with elder Watson, great guy. Um, after him, so I was, I had, had him for three months and then I say, I trained, uh, David Lehman, um, from East, well, from Germany, but he grew up in East Germany. Um, cool story about him. I mean, like it was, it was, it was, uh, it was really cool for me to, to have him as a companion because he knew textbook English, right? But he didn't know any of the slang or the phrases, be them American or Scottish. And so he'd like take the literal meaning of all these phrases. And then I caught, I would always catch myself. He'd be like, what does that mean? And I couldn't describe it to him without using the words. <laughs> so that was, it was an interesting introspection on, you know, what we use for language. But, um, we were walking around one day and I was just very interested because he's like a fifth generation member from East Germany. His, his, you know, when the wall went up, his family, they, they were, you know, the church was strong and still going. And so one day I, I was, so I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, even smaller than the town I left. Um, so I was trying to compare childhoods with him living in East Germany with me living in middle of nowhere, Nevada. And like, on all of the metrics, like TV station, radio stations, proximity to grocery stores, he had it better in East Germany <laughs> than I had it in middle of nowhere, Nevada. And I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> like, um, but going back to, so, so we, there were, there were quite a few interesting people we tracked it into in St. Andrews. Um, so there's a school of divinity there. So we tracked it into our fair share of uh, professors um, that we didn't know were professors until after we had talked to them for quite a while, <laughs> multiple visits. Um, but I mean, it was, I, we left all on good terms. Um, but we, we knew where Prince William lived because there was a certain street and it wasn't that far from the train station. And we'd walk down it quite frequently and you would see the MI five uniformed people in their car in front of his flat. And I'm sure there were MI six people around that were, you know, plain closed. So, I mean, it was not hard to know where he lived. So um, another funny thing about St. Andrews tracking in St. Andrews is difficult because probably a third of the houses there in St. Andrews are vacant. And what it is, is you have rich Americans that because the, the old course is owned by the city. And so you have rich Americans that buy a house in St. Andrews. So they are residents of the city and they can get super easy and basically free tea times at the golf at the old course. So you would track and there's just no one in because no one lives there. It's a house that's owned by someone, but no one's ever there. Um, but so one day we, we, we decided, okay, we're going to track this, this street of row houses. I think it was hope street. Was it what it was called? And, uh, we're, we're just going to do it. Right. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the, the, we'll just do it. So we get to, 
the door that we believed was his based on where the car was parked. And I kid you not, the door opens and there's like five women college students in there. <laughs> and we're like, that's weird. But we, we ended up doing a doorstep first um, and we gave a Book of Mormon to the person and the person's name, as I recorded it in my journal, is Catherine. And they did live together at the time. So I'm pretty sure that I gave a doorstep first and a Book of Mormon to what? The Princess of Wales now? Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, I will tell you, so I don't want to get in trouble for this. Elder Lehman and I did have some schemes that we never acted on about, you know, kidnapping Prince in the middle of the night, taking him to the North Sea, baptizing him. And then when he becomes king, the official religion of the UK becomes <laughs> never acted on it. It was just the thought, you know, that that pesky little thing called free agency and stuff that didn't really factor in. But it was a thought, right? <laughs> um, but I, I mean... I, I love that area. It was uh, definitely it was definitely an amazing experience. Um, I was actually with Trevor Watson for four and a half months um, before I was with uh, and I trained Elder Lehman, David Lehman, for three months. So I was there for about seven and a half months. Um, it was awesome. You know, good times. Really different from Glasgow. Um, after that. I uh, served for six weeks in East Kilbride with Greg Slater, another amazing, just just so much fun uh, to be with him. And then my next companion um, was Kevin Nelson. Um, again, coolest guy, super awesome. Really enjoyed my time with with him. Um, and then after that, I I went zone leader in Irvine. In the coastal zone, um, I will tell you, uh, Trevor and I were kind of when we were companions. Um, I, I challenged him to send a tile. I don't know if I challenged him or we came up with it again together, but we did challenge. Uh, we did have a SEM tie sent to his dad. <laughs> so if you go back and you look at the 2002 statistical report, his dad is wearing an SEM tie. So just a a shout out there. Sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so coastal zone, Tori given, um, was my, was my companion. Um, he's a good guy. Had a, had a few little headbutts there. I think at that time, did you guys have the co-zone leaders, um, in your time where you, where the zone would have two zone, it would be a companionship and they were both were zone leaders. Yeah, that's the yeah. way it was the whole time, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a little bit getting used to. Um, during that time, I actually uh, had to go and resolve an issue in Stranraer. Um, so I, I spent, I think it was about a month with uh, Michael Somer from South Africa, kind of getting a, a missionary in a not great situation with a, a member of the church <laughs> that needed to be separated. Um, so I spent a little bit of time in Stranraer. That was awesome. Enjoyed going down to the southernmost point of Scotland and seeing the Isle of Man and Ireland. It was tempting. They had the uh, the catamaran to 
to Ireland, you know, that you would see every day and you're just like, oh, that would be awesome. But I mean, I was a zone leader. I couldn't couldn't do that. They wouldn't have let you back <laughs> over probably. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, and then after that, I went to uh, to Motherwell, so back to uh, to the Glasgow area as zone leader. So, and I served with uh, Chad Van Leuven. Um, had a lot of fun with him. Um, and had really cool uh, experience with him tracting one day um we're in a we're in a close and i think it was a three or four story you know block of flats and we, we ring the doorbell and the lights flashed didn't make any noise but the lights flashed and uh a guy comes to the door and he's deaf and I, that was a first for me right but uh he uh he let us he let us in i met this guy named alex mcphee he he uh he got was he wasn't born deaf but he got there was like a meningitis outbreak in the 50s or something and he got meningitis and it caused deafness um but we we started teaching him and i know you guys have talked a little bit about so definitely when i got in the mission it was it was memorization i've got all the you know master teacher memorization and i think for about the first year it was definitely you're going to memorize the, the six discussions. You're going to go through the six discussions in order. If you need to go back, you know, which we did a lot and we do other discussions and, and things like that. But uh, we got that kind of teach by the spirit, which was, okay, you can teach it in any order. You can use the discussions as the basis point for the principles that you need to teach. But you know, use the spirit if you need. If you need to teach about the restoration, if you need to teach about the plan of salvation first, things like that. So I really, really enjoyed that—the freedom of doing that. Um, and I will tell you, the ability not to to religiously live by the discussion manuals was very helpful in teaching Alex McPhee because we did destroy a few discussion manuals in the process of teaching him. <laughs> We would cut them up and say, right? So, because I don't know British sign language um, and my hand gets really tired after writing for so long. <laughs> um, and I just remember it was the hardest thing because he was, he was Catholic. It was, I think we, we, we took, um, it was probably 45 minutes trying to get him to understand that prayers are not like memorized. <laughs> so, so we'd be like, would you like to say a prayer? And then, he would, because he could speak a little, right? And it would just be the Lord's Prayer. And we're like, no, like, no. <laughs> but, you know, we fi we finally got through. And then um, we, we started teaching him. And it was just an amazing experience because uh, we got him to church. And we found out that, like, in, like, the early 90s, um, the the Glasgow stake had actually had a stake sponsored come and learn British sign language program that they did. And there was a sister that was in the stake. Her name was sister buckle. And she, she said like, she felt prompted that she needed to do that in the early nineties, like 10, 10 years before 10 or 12 years before. And she went and she took the classes and I think it was like two or three years that they did it. And they, she kind of, she did everything that the church offered and, um, but she, she, she felt like she was impressed to do that. She didn't know why, 
she actually became she was when when we when I was there she she worked for a school for the deaf so she had actually kind of used that introduction learned British sign language and did that for her job but when we when it you know when our ward found out we were teaching someone that was deaf they they knew that there was someone in the state that could help so she came in and she was just a godsend right so she could come in and she could communicate with him and teach him the lessons i remember and you know what it actually might have been it was it was general conference it was october general conference that we brought him and i like my companion and i took turns trying to write general conference because they didn't have the closed captioning we asked so like you're like writing 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 trying to get it down and you'd be like you'd have to switch off every talk and i think that's i think that's how like people knew that we needed help so she came in and I didn't know any of this and and Alex he actually he got baptized um and at, at his baptism she gave a talk and she told us this thing and she was like I know now why I felt impressed to do this sign language class like 12 years ago wow. and I got that impression it's so that I could be here for this experience and this person needed me and it was just it's like blew my mind um just an amazing experience um so we found we found elder van leuven and i found him and then my second to last companion was dennis grenavicious green apple juice is what people used to call him (laughs) i think he was like the third guy baptized in lithuania after they opened it up like and it's the second one was like his mom amazing dude love that guy and it was just so at that point i had three months left on my mission and president brains is like yeah dennis grenavicious is coming or elder g and i'm like so we came out together I got three months left on my mission. He's not extending. I'm not extending. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> but it was cool. It was awesome being with him. Uh, and that was kind of when the Alex McPhee thing was happening. So that was an amazing thing. So then the next moves comes around. We each both have six weeks left. Neither of us move. <laughs> We're like, President, what's what's going on? And I mean... We had, I mean, we probably had 25, 30 people on the teaching pool. It was not, I mean, it would have been, I I had concerns about how the handoff was going to go with two new, you know, zone leaders coming in. So um, it goes, it goes. Finally, two weeks before I leave, president calls up and says, uh, Elder Anderson, um, and I totally thought that he was going to go because I had a driver's license and he didn't. And we had a car. So I'm like, he's going to go some, Nope. President's like, you're going to Knightswood for the last two weeks of your mission (laughs) with elder Kevin Anderson. So it was elder Anderson and elder Anderson for two weeks in Knightswood. And man, (laughs) that, that was a challenging two weeks. I mean, at the end of your mission, especially when you got a pretty good teaching pool, you want to really enrich those ties and those people that you've found and kind of get a nice send off. And I, yeah, I couldn't do that. That was a hard, that was a hard two weeks for me, but I did enjoy 
Kevin. He was he was a cool guy. I know we've there's been a little bit. Uh, you know, I've heard him, his name thrown around. Um, you know, a little bit older, getting on his mission. Uh, but yeah, definitely a, a cool, fun guy uh, to do that. And then you know, I came home and yeah, that was it. It was just an amazing. I saw a lot of success um, in the in the baptisms area, but. It, it was just the people like just amazing people um and I, I think i was saying before like my mission gave me the skills that i've been able to use in all aspects of my life right you you think about what other thing is allowing you to be in in such a personal environment as someone's home and and learning about just the social aspects of how to parent how to interact with people how you just live how you keep your home all that stuff you learn that on a mission right and then you learn how to talk to people you learn how to interact it's just it was an amazing experience i loved it um for me i look back at it and it is it's, I like to think about my mission as a spiritual roller coaster, right? You're, you've got the highs are super high. The lows are super low. Um, but it's just, it's an uncomplicated, like, break in my life. I think about, like, I didn't have to worry about school. I didn't have to worry about, like, really family stuff. I knew what I was supposed to be doing every day. And it was just in one sense it was very simple um so just uh, it was a great time i loved it yeah those those two years are really set aside yeah and everything else yeah yeah so we've asked everyone and we'll ask you 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 know, you served with the Wilkinsons and the Vrains. Do you have any specific memories about the mission presidents? So, life? you know, President Wilkinson, awesome guy. He had a he had a he had a good sense of humor too. Like, I think it was a little bit before my time, but any person that can put an elder pit and an elder sweat together as a <laughs> companionship, which did happen, I, kudos, man. Like that's that's awesome. Um, no, he was just. He was a, he, he's a smaller guy, but just a spiritual giant. Um, and, and, and president brains too, just the love that you feel. Um, and I didn't spend any, really any time in the Edinburgh zone, you know, but there were a few times being at the mission home, you know, as a zone leader is seeing, seeing a little bit more of, of the mission president and just seeing, you know, that love there, there's a weight that goes with it too. Like, so there were some, some times that I could, like, you could see the weight you could see, like, I don't know everything that he's dealing with, but it's, I can tell it's, it's quite a bit. Right? Um, and yet he still, he's just, the love was, was awesome. So, I mean, um, I have in-laws in, in the St. George area. So, I, and it's not every time I'm there, but quite frequently I'll, I'll reach out to the Wilkinsons and catch up with them and, and everything. Um, and then, you know, president Vrains coming in like huge guy, 
just that handshake, the hug, you know, the famous elder Anderson, you know, he always, you know, the famous elder, whomever, or sister, whomever, that was his catch catchphrase that I got. Um, And yeah, I think he did, he did things a little differently, but you could still, there was still the love. There was still, you know, the expectations, um, talked a little bit about, you know, the, the final interview, you know, go home and, and, uh, get married before you get in, into any trouble. I, I lasted two years. I, I was pretty happy with that, you know, <laughs> being a little off on, on the, my own, um, I was trying to think of, I also, I don't know if you guys know Kenton Karish, Elder Karish. Yeah, I was his last companion. Oh, so, yeah, so he he went to University of Nevada, Reno, too. So I didn't know him before the mission, so he's from the Reno area. I grew up near there, but we definitely interacted quite a bit um, after, you know, post-mission yeah. going, to, going to school. I ran into him, I think, in 2017, him and his wife. He just had twins um, a year or two ago. So we're trying to get him on here. Do it. Yeah. He's a cool guy, but yeah, no, I mean, love Scotland. It's a great place. Great. Great. Well, Robert, you shared some amazing experiences and, uh, you had quite, quite a, an amazing journey through Scotland. So thank you for sharing is, uh, you mentioned some great people in your companions and brother and uh, elder Karish. Is there any other missionaries that as they're listening to this, you can call out and invite them to be participate in this? We'd yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of the ones I mentioned before, Trevor Watson, um, Dennis Grunavicius. I can't still can't, I was his companion for six weeks. Elder G. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Greg. Oh man. I don't know if I laughed more than when I was with Greg Slater, that guy. Um, just a cool guy. So he's, he'd be good. Kevin Nelson. Yeah, definitely. Great men. Uh, great people to be around. Great experiences. I know I just, cause you know, while you're on the mission, there's, there's hard times and like there's low lows. And I just always remember thinking elder Anderson, you just need to, you are in Scotland. Think of all those people you went to high school with. They're not Scotland. They're not doing these amazing things. You are like so that. I think that was why I led that on a lot, you know, on the lows, but just yeah, good times. That's a great perspective, you know. I I don't think I ever thought about many people apart from you know my close friends um, not being in Scotland with me, but. You're right. You know, it was a unique experience that only us that were there had the opportunity to enjoy. And, yeah. uh, and the people that we served obviously have made a lasting impact on us. So, uh, that's really amazing. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you taking time and, uh, you know, sharing your experiences. And again, all those that have been called out by, by Robert, make sure that, uh, you get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email at sempodcast at 51spylaw.com or you so can take, want, take the route that Robert did. Go ahead. So I want to, th- I want to thank you guys, right? So this has been awesome. You know, listening to this, I want to thank not only you guys, but I want to thank your wives. Cause I can't, I can imagine this is a, 
more than a little bit of time um, and your kids. So I think this is, this is a good opportunity and a good forum to remember things. And I think if we don't remember a lot of these, because I mean, I, I still go like one of the good things about moving. So well, not one of the good things, but one of the things about moving so much is I've had plenty of opportunities to give sacrament talks and I can share some of these amazing experiences on my mission without doing it multiple times to the same people other than my wife. She's sick of it. Um, (laughs) But I think remembering these experiences in the crazy chaos that we call life when you have kids and a job and a mortgage and X, Y, Z is super valuable to do that. So I want to thank you guys and your wives and your kids uh, for the time you guys are doing this. Thanks. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for, for that. You know, it's like Jack said, it really is one of those things that it's a true labor of love. It's been unbelievable to connect with people. Like we're sitting here talking with you, Robert, and we didn't interact with you in Scotland, but yet we're connected yeah. In 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 more ways than one, with regards to the people we knew, the areas we served, you know, all those things are just. It's fun to to listen to your stories and what your era of Scotland was to you, and you know, and then for us to see that evolution just as well. So, yeah. thank you again. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate your time. We love you, and uh, hope that you'll share this. We'll get it out here probably within the next week or so. Um, So we'll let you know and you can share amongst those that you're still connected with. And again, that invitation is open to anyone who wants to come on. Visit our website at 51spylaw.com and do what Robert did. And he filled out a contact sheet. That's how we got in touch with him. So we appreciate you going out on that limb and, uh, and reaching out. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right, Robert. Well, thank you again. We love you. We'll certainly talk to you again soon. Have a great rest of your night. Love you too. Ta. All right. Ta.